it was 40 years ago um, when I first saw Return of the Jedi. It was 1983. I was a teenager. I saw it four times that summer. And that was the last time I actually saw the movie in the theaters until now. And I was fortunate enough to take my son with me and we just had a blast. So uh, we just left the theater about a couple hours ago. So now we're here on a live stream. You might have seen our live reaction. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. This is Father Son Galaxy. I am Kerwin. This is Keith. We are here to talk about Return of the Jedi, right? 40th anniversary uh, special episode. If you're new to the channel, thank you for joining us. Uh, please like this video and subscribe if you're not a subscriber. We're on the race to 1,000 subscribers. So that's that's exciting and that's important to us. So let's get started. Let's talk about Return of the Jedi. Now, like I said, 40 years ago, this is how I got the news 40 years ago. There's this magazine that's called Starlog Magazine, right? This was my first look of the cast, the Return of the Jedi. Now, notice that you see all the, the cast members, there's six of them. Well, you can't see R2, but he's behind Leia. This is the first time that we've seen all of them in one place, all right? Because in The Empire Strikes Back, they were separated. So it was good to see them together. I couldn't tell whether they were in the Millennium Falcon uh, or not. Are. Well, no, this was actually, this is them inside the uh, the Imperial shuttle, right? And then, so this was a uh, April uh, 1983 issue, right? And then two months after that came the June issue, right? And you got Luke, Han, and Leia on the cover. Pretty cool. So that's how I got the news back in the day. All right. So we want to talk about the importance of Return of the Jedi. I, you know, we feel that Return of the Jedi is the most important Star Wars film. And we're going to put together our argument as to why we think that way. Because um, if you, if you think about it, uh, you know, it has endured and cemented a legacy since 1983. Um, and um, it's contributed to the Star Wars canon. Um, some of the things that you're seeing that you saw in the movie, the characters, the storytelling, the design, you still see them taking place 40 years later. So let's talk about it, okay? All right, so what we're gonna do is talk about the top five contributions that Return of the Jedi has made. Now, if you're on the live stream, again, thank you for joining us. Put in your comments. If you've seen the 40th anniversary uh, release, re-release of the movie, let us know how it went. Um, tell us about your experience. Tell us about if you're a fan of Return of the Jedi, what are your favorite moments in the film? If you have any favorite lines of dialogue, let's put it all in the chat, okay? All right, so let's go. All right, you good? Okay, all right, so we have five, but we have two honorable mentions, two items that did not make the top five, all right? So the first one, the first honorable mention is the introduction to Admiral Akbar. all right? Admiral Akbar. Um, this is a character we've never seen before. Uh, he was, uh, yeah, I mean, literally have not seen this character before and not even seen the species. It was amazing to look at and, and we knew he had, you know, uh, a presence. He was the Admiral and he was the one along with, uh, Ma Mothma and General, uh, Medin, uh, giving a presentation to the Death Star, to the rebels. Um, Mon Calamari, like I said, and he is 
internationally known. I mean, he's known for the 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 quote, it's a trap, even though Leia was the one to say it first in Empire Strikes Back, but somehow it just stuck with him. Because um, he sounds like an octopus. Well, he, he sounds it's a trap. Yeah, it, it, it sounded like he they were in a lot of trouble. So there were it was a trap. Um and then so the legacy is that you know we you know got to see the Mon Calamari's appearing in uh comic books. We also saw yeah, his first appearance with a comic strip mm -hmm. in nineteen eighty-two. Uh Admiral Akbar? Yes. Oh wow, okay, okay. All right. And and we also got to see more of his species. So Animal Radis was another uh of the Mon Calamari who appeared. There was an entire episode with a planet full of the Clone Wars. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. So there you are. So Admiral Akbar, very important. Um, you know, the the Mon Calamari uh, really showed up in the Clone Wars and showed up as Admiral Radis in, in Rogue One. So, uh, so Admiral Akbar, honorable mention. The next honorable mention is, I don't know what you call it, but I'm going to call it the triple action sequence. All right, sequence. Uh, which means that there are three events, three action events that are happening at the same time. So this is the first time um, that we've seen this in a Star Wars film. So we got we got uh, uh, Han and Leia on Endor, right, trying to take down the shield on uh, on Endor. Um, we have Lando Calrissian and the the rebels trying to take out the Death Star in space, and then we also have Luke Vader and the Emperor, all right, in the throne room. All right, so. There is a triple action. And we saw that again in The Phantom Menace. I don't know if you remember in The Phantom Menace, but when George Lucas brought the uh, prequel trilogy back. I do. Yeah, he did like the same thing. Fighting on Naboo, Anakin in space. Yes. And the Duel of the Fates. That's right. The Duel of the Fates. Exactly. Exactly. So so those are the two honorable mentions. Okay. So let's get into the top five contributions. All right? Okay. And what we have, number five contribution, that Return to Jedi um, from Return of the Jedi is the introduction to Mon Mothma. Okay. All right. Uh, Mon Mothma was played by Caroline Blackiston um, in the, the original film. The first line was, the Emperor has made a critical error and the time for our attack has come. And with that line, you know, when you saw her enter the room, you could feel that you couldn't hear, you could hear a pin drop. You know, it just felt still you know there was chat chattering uh with the rebel with the rebels before she came on but as soon as she walked out there she commanded um attention and they listened to her and she had a lot of good information to say about their their mission to destroy the death star so it was um it was fantastic um carolyn blackiston um and then this character was only on the air for only in the movie for maybe three minutes and she may have had two minutes of dialogue and that was it but it made such an impression on Genevieve O'Reilly who has taken on the role as Mon Mothma all right um let's want to talk about how Mon Mothma is described in the novelization of the book James Kahn you want to read that part okay I'm sorry you read it okay Mon Mothma entered the room a stately, beautiful woman of middle age, she seemed to walk above the murmurs of the crowd. She wore white robes with gold braiding, and her severity was not without cause, for she was the elected leader of the Rebel Alliance. All right. Um, so 
when uh, Andor came out last year, we had uh, the honor of interviewing Genevieve O'Reilly. And the question, if you remember, that you asked um, Genevieve O'Reilly was, why would you want, why did you want to play this character? So this character was only shown for a couple of minutes mm -hmm. in Return of the Jedi. And so what was it about this character that spoke to you? And her quote was, Mm -hmm. So if you like to listen to the uh, minutes, it was a roundtable interview with Genevieve O'Reilly of Andor at around six minutes. Can we, uh, can we bring up a visual of that? Or do you want to just well, you, bring, you, read, the, read, the, read the quote? Yeah, just read the quote. Let's read All the right. quote. Yeah. <sighs> the character of Mon Mothma has a lot of gravitas within the Star Wars world because of who she is as a woman. How she stands up with the quiet confidence and dignity and a serenity with calm leadership that the rebels need at that time and continue to need in each iteration that we see her. Yeah. So she this this character was very important to her. She she knew the importance of the character. Um, so she is playing it. You know, she she's played a character after she started in the prequel trilogy, but actually her role was cut. Uh, but we have seen her since then on in animated and in live action. She was in Rebels. Uh, she was, of course, in in uh, Rogue One. And now, you know, we see her in Andor. We saw her in Andor first season last year. We're going to see her again in the summer in the Ahsoka series, and then we'll see her play Mamafa uh, one last time, or you know, one more time next year for Andor season two. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So, number. Number five, right? Of, of well, that's so we're just we're finishing up number five. We already finished. Yes, right. Number five is my Mothma. Okay. Um, so let's go into the Q and A. And Dallas, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, good to see you again. I missed the last two streams. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely fine. Whenever you get a chance, you can go back and just take a look. Uh, Podcast of the Wills, Nick. Thank you. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hello to you. Thank you for joining us. Um, Jared, mm -hmm. uh, people dislike the opening of Return of the Jedi, but I think it's the most iconic opening to a Star Wars film. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely the most recognizable, even better than Palpatine Rescue and Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I I don't know what people thought of the, the opening of Return of the Jedi, but I didn't know it was disliked. Yeah, I mean what <laughs> I, I don't know what is there to dislike about Whoever it. Whoever doesn't like it is crazy. Well, no, no, we don't want to say that. I mean, people who have their opinions, but I, I thought the opening was, was very good. I don't know which part actually um, they had uh, an issue with, but you know. How about none? It was next it was, time. Go with none. It's a fine opening for me. Okay, so that's number five. The top top five. So we're at number five, Mon Mothma. So the number four contribution that Return of the Jedi has made is. Jabba the Hutt's palace. All right. Jabba the Hutt. This was a rogue gallery of of, of, of the galaxy's of creatures and, and 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 um it villains. Was a rogue gallery yeah, it galaxy's was, worse. You just walk in <laughs> like with, with C3PO and R2D2 just walked in and you know it was dangerous as soon as they just stepped inside. I mean, you had, you know. The Gamorrean guards. You had Biff Fortuna, um, Salacious Crumb. Uh, you had the you had the dancers. You had the Rancor. I mean, it was full of creatures. You know, so the, the George Lucas wanted to make sure that.
he knocked this uh, third film out of the park, right? So he filled us with a lot of creatures. And I wanted to read something that is from the novel, right? The description of Jabba the Hutt. And this is how it's described in the novel. So here it goes. His head was three times human size, perhaps four. His eyes were yellow, reptilian. His skin was like a snake's as well, except covered with a fine, <laughs> with a fine layer of grease. He had no neck, but only a series of chins that expanded <laughs> finally into a great bloated body, <clears throat> engorged to bursting with stolen morsels. <laughs> Stunted, almost useless arms sprouted from his upper torso. The sticky fingers of his left hand languidly wrapped around the smoking end of his water pipe. He had no hair. It had fallen out from a combination of diseases. Huh? He had no legs. His trunk simply tapered gradually to a long, plump snake tail that stretched along the length of a platform like a tube of yeasty dough. His oh, lipless Lord. mouth was wide, his lipless mouth was wide, almost ear to ear, and he drooled continuously. He was quite thoroughly disgusting. <laughs> it's like, Good so, Lord. It, now, why really would paints any, a picture for you, doesn't it? Why would anybody want to be interested in a character that looks like that? But okay. for some reason, what? <laughs> what are you going to say? What? What is that? Well, a yeah, tube of yeasty dough. Yeah, but I mean, but think about it. I mean, this character, this is something—a character where you would think, okay, well, nobody wants to see this character reappear or see it come back or see it in the comic books. But it absolutely did. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. I thought huts were just born without hair. That don't make sense. Remember Zero the Hut? Yeah. He had zero hair. Yeah. Okay. Well. And, I, and, 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 and the baby hutling. Yeah. You know, zero hair as well. And Rada was like a newborn. Mm -hmm. So their hair didn't fall out from diseases. They're just bald. Well, I mean, that's how the author described it. I don't know. Maybe but they're just bald. Okay. All right. I got you. I got you. I got you. But my point is, um, this character has just endured over the years. I mean, forty years later, we're still talking about Jabba the Hutt. You know. And by the way, so let me just you know be clear because if we have young people who are watching <laughs> this episode, they're going to say, "Well, hey, didn't Jabba the Hutt appear in A New Hope?" Yes and no. So the original film. Jabba the Hutt uh, was actually supposed to be played by uh, an actor, a male actor. Um, his name was Declan McCullen. Um, Declan McCullen was supposed to be Jabba the Hutt. All right. So he was this male actor and he was going to do a scene with Harrison Ford. And then the scene was cut. Okay. So we did not see in the original Star Wars, we did not see Jabba the Hutt. Now, we have these special editions where George Lucas and his, his team decided that they were going to restore that scene, but it, instead not bring back the actor, but replace the actor with Jabba the Hutt as seen from Return of the Jedi. Yeah, Declan Mulholland kind of, he was erased. <laughs> he, and yes. They replaced him with this fat slob of a hut. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, again, you know, so Jabba the Hutt, you know, is, is still around. He's not going anywhere. You know, you, again, you see him in the comic books. Technically, he's dead. 
No, no, I'm talking about his his the character of Hut. You know, he is in the comic books. Um, yes, he is gone, but the Hut clan did return in the Book of Boba Fett, right? When they went yeah. back to Tatooine, and and weren't they also at uh, the Body Hunters? Yes, the War about well that okay well that was taking place uh, between uh, five and six. So Hut so Jabba was still around at the time, but again. This character is 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 so popular. He is well known, even by the way he looks. It doesn't matter. This is how we expect Jabba the Hutt to look. This is how we've seen him for the very first time. Um, so he's an indelible character. He's 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 a fantastic character. And then uh, again with the Quacking Monkeys that we just saw in season three of The Mandalorian, they brought the 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 Quacking Monkeys back. And again, we're talking about Book of Boba Fett. You know. To continue Boba Fett's story, we had to get him out of the Sarlacc pit, which was in Return of the Jedi. He stayed on Tatooine, which we went back to in, in Jedi, and met some of the same characters that were still at Hutt's, Hutt's palace. So, and, you again, know, yeah. absolutely, you know, took over Jabba's palace. Yeah. Made sure there was none of those riffraff left. Yeah, took out Bib Fortuna. And yeah, then, Bib Fortuna went bye-bye. Yes. He did. All right, so let's go to Q&A. So who do we have? Jared Curran, what do you think of the Jabba the Hutt retcon redesign the first time you saw it in the theaters? The first time I saw it in the theaters, I, you know, I, I just had no idea what Jabba the Hutt was going to look like. I can't even remember if I even knew there was going to be a character named Jabba the Hutt, so I had no expectations as to who this character well no that's not true because we knew who Jabba the Hutt was because we kept hearing this name um in episode four and five but we had no idea what he was going to look like um so I I there was no indication that he was going to look like this um I was impressed I remember smiling and you know people were laughing in the theater it's like well what is this thing you know but again no, you know, no one said, oh, you know, he's too disgusting to look at or, you know, yeah, don't bring that character back. Yeah, we don't want to see that character again. Creepy. No, that was not the case at all. All right. Do we have any more Q&A? Too disgusting. Yeah. Well, the SSW Network, I saw Jabba on a breaking glass before seeing him in a movie. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, well, they used to have that. They used to have these tie-ins, you know, with the uh, Lucasfilm and, and Burger King or McDonald's. Oh, I thought have... he, he saw something slimy in a cup at Burger No, King. he meant... No, it was an actual job or promotion? Yes, yeah, they had glasses. What? Yes, this is what they did back in the day. This is how they promoted the film. So they had glasses with uh, different characters' designs. on. So the they glasses. didn't just give you Happy Meal toys. They Well, this is Burger King, right? <laughs> they didn't give you angry meal toys. They they gave you glasses. They did. They did give you glasses. And characters on. Yeah, I I don't I I remember collecting maybe I don't so long ago. Well, but where are I, they? I don't have them anymore, Keith. It's very difficult to keep glasses. Did they break for so many years? I don't remember what happened to the glasses, or they were just thrown out. I don't know, but yes, they did have glasses with different characters on it. That's how they promoted the film. So absolutely. Dallas, have you heard much about Diego? How much Diego Luna loved Jabba the Hutt? I did not know that. No. no. Yeah. I mean, why not? You know, he is a very formidable character. He's a gangster. Um, no matter how he looks, he just has a presence that, you know, once you see him, you never forget him. You know, and they brought him back for the, the prequel trilogy. Jared, 
You want to read it? Yeah. The first time you saw Return of the Jedi, did you actually feel as if Luke was teetering on the dark and light side at all? Or were you always confident he was going to remain a hero? I, w I knew he was going to remain a hero, but it wasn't going to be easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know he was yeah. towing the line there. Yes. But um, he wasn't going to go evil. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, re I recall when I was waiting in line to see the movie, have not seen it yet, just waiting in line. There are some guys in front of me, apparently, who have heard rumors about what happened in the movie. And I remember a guy saying, Luke went off on Vader, <laughs> which, you know, you know, which meant that Luke got angry. And yeah. I didn't know what, what exactly he what he did exactly until I saw the movie. And I saw that he really did reach the breaking point and he almost did turn to the dark side. Yeah. Yeah. But we knew, I mean, at the end, you know, we couldn't have Luke be uh, a Sith, you know, join, join the Emperor, you know, he had to, he had to do what that, if, but it was close. What if he joined the Sith? What if Luke Skywalker became I, I can't, I can't even imagine Luke being a Sith. I don't know. I don't even, nah. yeah, I don't even want to think about it. All right. Well, okay. So yeah, let us know if there's any more. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't see Luke as a Sith. SSW Network, what was Keith's favorite part of the movie? The end celebration. Yeah, yeah. You like the celebration? Upon careful consideration, yes. <laughs> okay. Anything in particular you liked about the celebration? The music, the dancing, the celebration. You know, that's interesting that you say that because you have not seen the original celebration, right? You the mean yum nub? Yeah, the yum nub. You show me that on YouTube. Oh, oh, okay. All right. So can you, and I don't want you to compare, it's not necessary to compare, but you like the, the, the ending as it is now yeah. with the, the new music. I mean, yeah, it, it sounded like children singing, like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So you thought it was too childish, maybe? It was, it was children doing an acapella version of the Sesame Street intro. It sounded like it sounded too much like Sesame Street. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with I'm you. Like Lucasfilm, you're on copyrighted territory now. Yeah, I, I th yeah, you're telling the line there. It, it it did sound like it could have been, you know, how to get to Sesame Street. Yeah, it, you're right. It it did sound We're like the that. Aries, we... Yeah, and it just seemed unusual to have that type of, and it wasn't melodic. You know, I'm not putting down Yum Nub, but it, it wasn't. It just sounded like people hitting drums and yeah. say whatever came to mind. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, it's okay, but I don't mind the the the, the switch, you know, the the new ending with the celebration. It was written. I by think it, I think mm -hmm. it coagulated better with the rest of the movie. I agree. I agree, and it also instead of getting yeah. lumpy pancakes, we got we got this nice pancake. Yeah, and I also like how it incorporated the different planets. I think the music would wor work better when we saw. Different planets as they I mean, celebrated the Tatooine fall of the isn't going to be playing Yub Nub. Yeah, it just it just didn't work with the visuals. Yeah, so those um, moisture farmers aren't going to start dancing going Yub Nub. Okay. Yub Nub. All right. So okay. So that's so we're doing our top five contributions that Return of the Jedi has made to the Star Wars canon. Yeah. So that's number four. Number five was Mon Mothma. Number four was Jabba the Hutt and the Palace. Let's move on to number three. I'm sure they knew this. They knew what? what oh, I'm about? just doing a recap. That's all. Just doing a recap. Okay. Yeah, like you're on NPR. Oh, boy. Okay. If you're just joining us, our guest is 
the iPad in front of us. You're right. <laughs> we'll be talking about the I top just, five contributions to. You're right. Um, I you know I, I think about people who are actually joining mid stream you know like you may have more people coming on yeah. so they might not know what we're talking about so, so i just wanted to keep them up if you're just joining us okay. our guest is his ipad we're talking about the top five contributions to return of the jedi well you got that quiet voice like that's intentional sound on that's NPR. Sound on NPR. <laughs> if you're just joining hey we love npr we're not making fun of npr all right npr is the best for real for real yeah and number three, let's get to number three. The number three contribution that Return of the Jedi has made to Star Wars canon is the speeder bike. The that speeder last bike. speeder bike was broken. Sorry. The speeder bike. Let's talk about the speeder bike. That scene when I saw um, the speeder bikes for the very first time, it was. You still love it. I still love it. It is. I mean, I was just in awe when I saw Luke Leia jump on that bike. Never seen it before. There's never been anything like it, you know, in Star Wars, these these vehicles, and they were fast, and how quickly they moved through the forest. Um, so it was, it, it's still one of my favorite moments in the film. Um, so I wanna talk about um, how, you know, the sound uh, came to be and the music. So as you know, when you're watching that scene, there's no music. And that was a decision that was made by the sound designer, Ben Burt and John Williams, all right? The composer. They both felt that music was not needed, that all you needed, all people needed to hear was the sound of the bikes and the speed of the bikes. And what did Ben Burt use to make the, the sound of the speed of bikes? There were jets. Um, he recorded jets taking off and landing. There's also a P-38 fighter jets that he would use. Um, the sound of the sounds of helicopters sped up, uh, an air hammer sound that was used for the gear shifting. So all of this, all these sounds just blended together, created this this fantastic vehicle, which I cannot get enough of. And apparently, neither can the creators, the new the creators of Star Wars, because from ever since Return of the Jedi, everybody has a speeder bike, right? I mean, look, you know, let's let's talk about you know some of the names of these speeder bikes that we seen since Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So we get Darth Maul Sith speeder bike. The, 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 what is this thing called? Flit, flit, no. Let's the flick I'm gonna call it the pretzel speeder. Yeah, it was Count Dooku's bike, right? From the episode pretzel two. Speeder, Count Dooku's bike from episode two. The biker advanced recon commando from the Clone Wars, the bark speeder that was in episode three that Stas Ali was riding with the clone troopers, you know, executed order 66. Yeah. Um, LaSalle speeder, the Ezra hat, Enfys Next patrol bike, the patrol speeder bike from Solo, you know, Ray speeder for, for The Force Awakens, the Hunka Dunk, um, the Zephyr J's bike from The Mandalorian, and also the speeders that appeared in The Bad Bash, The Book of Boba Fett, and Nandor. Yeah, I mean, can you, can you Does be that thing Grievous had count as a speeder? I don't know if Didn't you can't. did Obi-Wan have a speeder the round in Kenobi? Thing. I don't remember, uh, did he? I don't remember uh, Obi-Wan having a speeder. Either way, yeah. there's been too many speeders to count. Yeah, I mean, and that's all because of Return of the Jedi. You know, the, this, it was magical when you saw this scene of, again, these two bikes, you know, being run, uh, driven by Luke and Leia, and they're going through the forest. I mean, it was just absolutely, it was breathtaking. 
And, you know, the, the creators, uh, old and new, have not forgotten about it. And they've incorporated this speeder bike. It's probably one of the more popular uh, modes of transportation in Star Wars. And that's due to Return of the Jedi. All right. Okay. Q&A. Eric Elliott, did you know speeder bikes were supposed to be introduced in Empire Strikes Back during the Battle of Hoth? Mm. But they got too caught up in the product of the film to make time to make it shoot them. Eric, I did not know that. That's that's very interesting. I can't imagine them having a speeder bike in Hoth because, you know, it was, it's so cold to ride your speeder bike, you know? That's very interesting. It's like riding your bike yeah. in 20-degree weather. Yeah, yeah. I can't see the, the bikes in that, that type of weather, but I think I'm, I'm whatever happens. I'm sure they happened, need some rustoleum for that because they would just freeze up. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever they decided, I think it was the best up. thing not to have it in, in The Empire Strikes Back. Jared, do you like the edit to the movie adding Hayden Christensen into the special editions? What is your reasoning? Personally, I am impartial. Um, you know what I always thought funny? Yeah. I rewatched it and I noticed Anakin looks down at himself and then he looks up again and starts smiling. Yeah. So apparently, yeah. he had no idea that he came back as himself. But also, Canonically, shouldn't he have come back in the uh, the black outfit? Because the hair and the scar that Anakin had were the episode three stuff. But the robes he was wearing was from... God, did he ever wear those? Well, those seemed like the robes he wore when he was in uh, episode three, right? Wasn't he wearing the same robes? No? They looked darker. They look dark. Well, you can't really tell because of the uh, the, well, the visual blue. effects, the force. Yeah, the force ghost. Yeah, but they just look. The ones he had in Return of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, they look darker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and didn't he have like a black suit or something that he wore I, at one point? I don't remember him wearing a black suit. No. That was the yeah. Clone Wars, wasn't it? Oh, it could have been. You're right. Yeah, I think he's he has worn something like that in the Clone Wars. Absolutely, you're right. Um, as far as yeah, I was okay with having. Never, well, it doesn't. I never hated it. Okay. Well, no, not that I hate it, but it just doesn't match up uh, with Obi Wan Kenobi. So Obi Wan and, and Obi -Wan's Anakin. Obi Wan's old, but Anakin's young. Right. Exactly. I, they I, put Anakin back like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what. I'm thrown off about because of the age gap. And you know what else? Why is it Yoda like 200? Why would he be 200 instead of 900? Because he's he he became one with the Force at 900 years old. Yes. So shouldn't he be younger? I think he should be the age when he became one with the Force. So just like Obi Wan. Obi Wan was uh, an older man, and that's when he. Became one with the force. So Say what it is with Anakin. Yeah. It would have been kind of weird to see a burnt, charred Anakin. So <laughs> they just put him back to what he was, you know, beforehand. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Jared, also, how does he know to become a force ghost without training? Don't know. It was just nice to see him come back, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Again, I I, I would have preferred the that they kept. Because the lore about the Force Ghost mm -hmm. wasn't really there yet. Okay. Okay. I, what? 
Well, I was going to say, I, I, I would have liked if they kept the original actor who uh, played the older Anakin. I think the, the age matched up better. That's, that's all. Played the older Anakin? Uh, his name was Sebastian Shaw. Yes, Sebastian yeah. Shaw. Yes, Sebastian Shaw, um, a British actor. Um, they could have kept him. I, I don't know why they, they decided to change it. I love how they had like three different people playing Vader. They had James Earl Jones as the voice. True. David Prowse doing the studs. And Sebastian Shaw for the helmet off. Yeah. You know what? You know, personally, I thought when we had that scene when Luke removed Vader's helmet, that it would be James O. Jones under the helmet. You know, like, that would have been nice. That would have been nice. Um, but, but you, know, you know, you know, we, we couldn't get that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, we weren't ready for that. You know what I just realized? Sure. With all doing? the makeup, why didn't they just, why didn't they just put James Earl Jones in the suit anyway? Well, why I'm, didn't they just have, one person, or if you really need somebody to do the stunts, why didn't you just have David Prowse take the helmet off? All they had to do was add the makeup. Yeah, he was already in the suit. That's why, a, you, why you want to take the man out the suit and replace him with somebody who was there for 30 seconds? That's a good point. No hate that. to Sebastian Shaw, though. No, but like, it's kind well, of like, I, I well, David Prowse was probably not old enough to play an elder Anakin, so they wanted an older actor. To play Anakin, and like I said, Sebastian Shaw was that actor, but then replaced him with uh, Hayden Christensen, which didn't really match up the yeah. age. Okay, yes. You do realize that at the end, Vader was parchment white. What does that mean? He was white as a sheet of paper. Like I'm serious. Me when the helmet came off. Yeah, like with the amount of makeup, mm -hmm. you couldn't tell who it was. Okay, yeah, so your point is you could have put any actor yeah. uh, to play. They could have thrown me in the suit. You couldn't have told the difference. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, it wasn't my decision to make, so it, you know, it, it's done. It's done. It's fine. It's it's okay. I, it doesn't take away we from We don't know. It doesn't take away from that that moment at the end when Luke sees his dad as a force ghost who's younger than him. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so any other Q&A? Yeah, before we move on to number two. So, Eric, they have snow terrain ground speeders. I think they could have combined the designs. I would have liked to see what they look like. I don't know if they have anything like that. You they know, had a print. They had a different body actor for Rogue One. Oh, wow. For 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 Vader. Yes, that's true. Right. Yeah. Because Dave Prowse at that point was he, too He old. passed away, didn't he? Like, I, no, I think he was still alive. I mean, after Rogue One. Well, yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, he's passed. Yeah, I mean, he would have been, been too old. To be doing these stunts. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So they had to choose another actor. I'm sure he would have retired by then. Probably. No, I, you know, David Prowse, he probably would have, I don't think he would have mind putting the suit back on. But yes, he right. you're right. He was um he was up in age, so I don't think he would have been able to to pull it off. All right. So let's move on to number two. All right. So now we're talking about the number two contribution um, made by Return of the Jedi to Star Wars canon. Luke and Leia as brother and sister. Luke and Leia as brother and sister. Now, this was very interesting. Um, very interesting topic. It was kind topic. of funny. Yeah. You know what? Why didn't they just... Why didn't they just make, you know, Han and Leia siblings? Han and Leia siblings? Interesting. Because, yeah, like... Why, why Han then? and Leia? Because by then, Leia had already kissed Luke. Oh, I see. Okay. I'm saying, I got gotcha. you. She okay. didn't 
really have the same connection with Hob by the time of the Empire Respect as she did with Luke. I see. Okay. Well, okay. Like it's like the way they set it up and then immediately took a right turn. Mm -hmm. Like Yeah. Well, yeah, let's unpack this. I mean, this I is... was four when mm -hmm. I saw this. I wasn't seeing the plot holes there. Mm -hmm. But now I'm just like Excuse me. Let's unpack this because this is very a very important moment in the film. Um, so let's talk about this. So you want you want to read the dialogue? Yeah, just a little bit of the dialogue. Yeah, because it's very important. It's the reason why I have it in my notes. Um, so there's this book, you know, from uh, the making of Return to Jedi. We've shown this book before. It's it's a heavy book uh, by J. W. Rensler. Um, and they talked about how this scene was prepared. Um, some of the scripts, the pages in the script were actually typed on a blue paper instead of white paper. And the blue meant that they were secret. secret. Right. They kept They were kept secret. So there are two sections, two scenes in a movie, at least that I can remember, that were kept secret from most of the cast. Right. It would have been the scene with Obi-Wan and Luke, when Obi-Wan tells Luke that he has a sister. Wait. What? Yeah, Obi-Wan is a master of deception. <laughs> I know. Palpatine has absolutely no idea what to make of this guy. I mean, let's go in canonic order. Okay. So, Palpatine's first apprentice kills his master. Obi-Wan defeats him, only for him to come back. Then, Obi-Wan is beaten by... Wait, wait. Sorry, Obi-Wan is beaten by the second apprentice once. Yeah. Then he gets beaten by the first apprentice, who is now deranged and out for revenge. Then he's beaten by the second apprentice a second time and accidentally awakens the clones and begins the Clone Wars. Then he absolutely just, just, just wails on the third apprentice and turns him into French toast. Ooh. And then he comes back and fights Skywalker yeah. only to disappear when yeah. there's a new Skywalker in town who he intentionally lies to okay. about the identity of his father before he reappears. And after Luke has already figured it all out, decides to explain to him that Vader is his father as a ghost. And then he reunites with that ghost of his Padawan who defeated him in combat. Palpatine must have no clue what to do with this guy. Well, okay. <laughs> I I don't know what Palpatine thought of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Palpatine's like, he's insane. Well, I, I don't... I, do you think Palpatine is really thinking about Obi-Wan? Or had any thoughts about Obi-Wan? Well, no, I mean, you know, okay, you know. Obi-Wan hits close to home okay. and then takes an absolute right turn. Okay, all right. And then he goes left. Yes, I, you, you, you know, when we were watching a movie today, you did have something to say about Obi-Wan. You thought he was very deceptive. Uh, he was a master Luke, troller. Yeah, for not telling Luke the truth about his father. Like, why didn't yeah. you lead with your father has become an evil cyborg who wishes to rule the world yeah. and is at the side of the galactic dictator that we call Emperor Palpatine? Yeah. Why didn't he open with that? I don't know. I don't know. Like, you expected Luke to base his entire life off of lies. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, 
But if, if we're putting the Obi Wan at the chance to tell him, because he appeared as a Force Ghost and tried to tell Luke to go back and do his training. Okay. And then and then he just talks with Yoda like, <laughs> okay. I tried. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, let's get back to number three. All right. So let's do that. we're talking about um, number two. Number two, right. We're, we're talking about number two, Luke and Leia, brother and sister. Um, so they're, we're talking about the pages, the blue pages. So there were scenes in a script that were typed on blue on blue paper. Two of the scenes, uh, one was with Ben and Luke when Ben. AKA tells, the master of deception. Yes, that's how we got started on this train ride. Okay. Mm. When Ben uh, confessed to Luke that he has a twin sister. All right. Okay. So that was the secret. The second secret in the film was the scene between Luke and Leia with Luke telling Leia that they're related. Okay. So this was something that George Lucas had a very difficult time to write. So he is a screenwriter along with Lars Kasdan. Um, the two of them really sat down and tried to figure out exactly what these two characters are going to say, how they're going to say it, it was very personal and it needed to you can imagine yeah and it, and it needed to come off seamless you know as if it made sense that this is happening okay it's okay well no let's get back to you know what you're going to say so um so a lot of the scene had to work is what i'm trying to tell you all right and it, it was not just the writing that had to work but you had to have the set design the right set design the cinematography had to work the music um had to had to work and then the performances by Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. If they couldn't pull it off, then this whole scene just goes, you know, in the dumps. So I, I wrote down, you know, because the dialogue was very important, how it was, you know, how it was written, how it was um, portrayed. So I want to talk about what Luke and, you know, Luke and Leia's conversation. So um, this is right after Luke tells Leia that Vader is his father. And Luke says, there's more. It won't be easy for you to hear it, but you must. If I don't make it back, you're the only hope for the Alliance. Luke, don't talk that way. <laughs> All right, can you do it in your yeah, voice? In my okay. own voice. Yeah. Luke, don't talk that way. You have a power I don't understand and could never have. You're wrong, Leia. You have that power too. In time, you'll learn to use it as I have. The Force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. And that pause, my sister has it. And then when that drops, then you hear the Luke and Leia theme play, right? And then Luke says, yes, it's you, Leia. And then Leia says, I know, somehow, I've always known. Yeah. And that was it. And it it worked. I mean, for me, I you know, let me know what you think about the idea of Luke I and Leia as brother and sister, but I thought it worked wonderfully, you know? And I remember when I saw it in the theater, you know, no one laughed to say, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, whoever saw this coming, this doesn't make any sense. And you know, it works because one, it's canon, you know, it's not gonna be changed. They're always going to be, and they're always going to remain brother and sister. And if you think about it, 30 years later in The Last Jedi, when brother and sister reunite, it's beautiful. It's, a, it's an incredible um, moment seeing Luke and Leia back on the screen in The Last Jedi. And, you know, that kiss on the forehead is, is wonderful. So, you know, it worked. It worked in Return of the Jedi. 
know what and it still me? works 30 years later the only thing it, we've it just fits the only thing we've ever seen Leia do with the force mm -hmm. is float okay. through space now why are we talking with okay. an umbrella no Keith now it has nothing to do <laughs> doing a song and dance about, about babysitting children we're not talking about the last Jedi okay all right let's just we stay were on just target. talking about the last we're Jedi stay on yeah. target stay on target all right Alex great points Kerwin there's so many elements to each scene for a film especially Luke and Leia's conversation such a good scene and so well done absolutely it was absolutely well done <gasps> It, I agree that it works well. Yeah, it, they had to pull it off in order for it. Now, you had a question for me? <laughs> Do you... I don't forgot. <laughs> okay. Life be so, like that sometimes. That's fine. That's fine. Okay, so uh, Eric, uh, but now we know Luke and Leia didn't tell Ray she is a Palpatine. They repeated. Oh, huh, interesting. Huh. I never... Did yeah, that's that's complicated. Ray? No, well, I like, what Eric is saying... Ray, but did he even know? Ray well, that's Ray that's 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 our point. So I don't know if Luke. I don't think either of them knew because if Luke yeah. if, if Luke didn't know, Leia certainly didn't know. Hmm, that's a very good point. Yeah, I don't know how they would know. I don't know. And more importantly, Ray is not familiarly related to them. Mm -hmm. She just showed up on this old man's doorstep and told him, "Go fight a war for me." You're talking about Ray? Yeah. Showed up on Luke's doorstep? Yep. She showed up on Luke's doorstep with a lightsaber in one hand and Chewie on and Chewie next to her. Well talking about join me in the war. That's not how I remember. She wanted Luke to train her. Yeah. I yeah. know. I'll make it a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh so Alex, yes, Leia Mary Poppins see. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hyphenate that to Mary Poppins. I have mixed feelings Leia. about. Ha -ha. Oh boy, I'm trying to stay on target. We're still talking about Return of the Jedi. Got a way. trickery. So Eric says she sensed Luke in The Empire Strikes Back, and she as in Ray sensed Luke. No, Luke Leia. Leia sensed Luke. Oh well, okay, maybe. Um, so what I want to talk about is I don't know if anyone knows why George Lucas decided to make. Luke and Leia, brother and sister. I have a theory about it, so let me know what you think. But here's my theory. Welcome to welcome to Father and Son Theory. We have to come up with our own sound effects on it. You know when we do. I'm theories. imitating Matt Pat in the worst way possible. Okay, so here's my theory as to why they were made brother and sister. So we know in Star Wars: A New Hope, Luke and Han both liked Leia. Okay, and that's not a surprise. All right. Uh, and we also know that Quite Leia, the triangle there. Yes. And we know that Leia also liked Han and Luke. But we didn't know um, in what way. Um, so, you know, we were under the impression that maybe she liked Luke a little bit more than Han because of what happened in The Empire Strikes Back. You mean A New Hope? No, I'm talking about The Empire Strikes Back, the, the, the kiss. But you said she liked Luke. A little more than that. Yes, in the Empire Strikes Back because of the kiss that she gave to Luke. Yeah. Okay. Well, but she did the same thing with Han in that same movie. Well, man. right. I'm getting to that. All right. So at the beginning of the movie, so. Oh my God, Leia played them. No. She played them like no. a ukulele. No, Keith. No, Keith. Just listen to me. So, all right. So we thought maybe Leia was leaning towards Luke, but uh, you know, as the movie went on, Empire Strikes Back, we know that her heart was for Han. Okay, so that's clear. 
Now, Luke is out training to be a Jedi, right? So he really doesn't have any time to be in a relationship. Yeah. So, so now, meanwhile, while he thinks everything is cool, cool with Leia, she, she's off she's off on a space adventure with two droids and Han, which is, and, and Chewie. Well, good point. So, all which right. Was, so when <laughs> Luke is now, you know, fully trained, he's a Jedi, what are you going to do? When he finds out, well, of course, he found out at the end the Empire Strikes Back, you know, that something was going on. Um, because of what happened to, to Han at the end. Um, what is he going to do? I mean, now he's a trained Jedi. He can't go back and say, hey, I'm going to try to win Leia back from Han because that's not Jedi-like, right? So you're not supposed to be jealous or envy. You're uh, not even supposed to have feelings Well, for anything. I hear what you're saying. Right. So, you are supposed to be calm as the breeze. Yeah. So this You is, cannot feel emotions when you become a Jedi. This is a loophole that George Lucas had to close, right? So, okay, so we can't have Luke in a relationship with Leia, so what are we going to do? Well, I guess we can make Luke and Leia brother and sister, right? So that solves everything. So we don't have to worry about Luke coming back and trying to take uh, Leia from Han. <laughs> and we know Han and Leia are together now, and they get married, and they have uh, a child. And Luke goes who off to be this off, Who turns out to kill his father. See, you're going off topic again. And then you have Luke who goes off to be this great Jedi master. All that right? was so unnecessary. I think though. that's the reason why. Ben um, Solo made some unnecessary moves with mm Han. -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that's why George Lucas decided to make them brother and sister, just to close that loop, right? To um, clear like, up you know that the little, triangle. That little untied end we got there? Let's close that up and wrap it in a box. Yes, exactly. And that's what he did. So it makes sense to me. Like I said, it worked. Um, it's canon. They're always going to be brother and sister. That's not going to change. All right. So we'll go to Q&A. Okay. Eric, Leia also trained as a Jedi on Agent Kloss uh, with Luke. Um, I didn't know. Yes, I, I'm not familiar the with Agent Kloss. That's where their base was. In the rise of Skywalker. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Key, can you control your emotions, please? All right, hey, Dad, I'm not a Jedi. Yes, Ray buried her lightsaber with the Skywalker lightsaber. Yes, she did. That's correct. Yeah, yeah I do remember uh, that. That didn't really make sense. I mean, yeah. she's like, let me take these sacred weapons mm -hmm. and throw them in a sand pit so they can mm -hmm. be forgotten to time. Yeah. Not not put them in a special chest that I can hold dear. Just just bury them in the sand yeah. where I can never find them and they can mm -hmm. be covered over eons of sandstorms. Yeah, we're still talking about Return of the Jedi, aren't we? Okay, just checking. All right, Alex. Yeah, I really, I wasn't really a fan of Ben. <laughs> We're still talking about Ben and Kylo. Okay, uh, but I think for the long run uh, and for the Last Jedi, it worked out to have Leia and Lucas siblings. I agree, absolutely yeah. agree with that. Yes. Honestly, that was so unnecessary. What part? Kylo and Han. Imagine killing your father. Yeah, that, that was. Mm, that's all. That's the ultimate. That's what is wrong with him. Well, he had problems. What was wrong with him? Well, you know, we don't know. Like, like, I, you know what? I think it would be nice to have a, a young Kylo Ren, no, well, young Ben Solo story. Chewie should have exactly just came up and knocked happened. him off the edge. Yeah, well, Chewie almost took him out, but, you know. Well, that would have been nice to see. Yeah, well, yeah. Chewie, like. <laughs> he should have done that. Back to the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. Here we go. All right, so now. If I can let you get there. Yeah, so are you done? Because we're going to move on to the last 
the number one top contribution from Return of the Jedi. Do you have anything else to say about any other movie? I'd like to say that's not Return I'm of the Jedi. Ben Solo lasted as long as he did, <laughs> and then by the time we were actually familiar with him, okay, and thought he would turn to the light side, they decided let's get rid of him now. Okay. Let's kill every existing Skywalker mm -hmm. and and you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. again no no hate to any of the actors or directors mm -hmm. or executive producers mm -hmm. or producers mm -hmm. or editors or anybody who worked on the movie okay. or the movie itself. Okay. Just you done. Yes. Good. All right. So let's go. All right. So Return of the Jedi. So I if like you're just joining us. We're talking about. <laughs> Yes. If you're just joining us, our guest is this iPad. We're talking about Return of the Jedi's 40th <laughs> anniversary and the top five contributions yes. made to the galaxy far, far away. And let's do a wrap up. All right. So number five, top five contribution. Number five was um, the character Mon Mothma. Mm -hmm. Number four was Jabba the Hutt's palace and the Rose Gallery of those creatures. Three I mean, was the Speeder Rikes. Speeder bike, yes, very important. Number two, two was Luke and Leia becoming brother and sister. Yes. And now let's reveal to you what we marked as a top contribution. The top contribution Return of the Jedi has made to the Star Wars canon Ian is McDermott as the Emperor. Ian McDermott as the Emperor. Roll now, it again. Yes, roll it again. Now, you let got me... a, you got a good impression of Palpatine. Yeah, thank you. All right, I've been working what we on should it. Do. Okay. I got a you got a good Palpatine impression. Uh -huh. I got a good Yoda impression. Yes. I got a good green lightsaber. You get a red lightsaber. We'll have a lightsaber to, as a Yoda and Palpatine. Talk like this, we must. Mm. Yeah, your Yoda is better than mine. So yeah, you could yes. be Yoda. I could be Palpatine. We're nine hundred years old too. Okay. Dr. Sure Yoda impression as much you want. Can I preface mm -hmm. this again? So you know those of you <laughs> who um, may be a little bit younger and may not know. All right. So just to be clear, the Emperor did first appear in The Empire Strikes Back. Yes. But it was played by another actor, Clive Rebel. All right? And he was a hologram. And he was a hologram, right. So what we're saying is the, Emp the Return of the Jedi was the first time we saw Ian McDermott as the Emperor. All that, right? Mm, I, I kind of... Yeah. It kind of surprises me. What's that? That there's been so much recasting in the galaxy far, far away. Okay. Yeah. All like right. Between Jabba the Hutt and Palpatine. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, it, it happens. You know, like creative differences or, you know, and Palpatine for whatever was reason. recasted twice because Clive Rebel originally played him, and then they swapped him out for Ian McDermott. Yes. And Alan Webb was supposed to play Palpatine, yeah. but he got sick and dropped out. So they went with McDermott as it's, third. That's the story, yeah. Yeah, that's... yeah. Wow. Well, well, let's talk about that. I mean, this is right. So, you know... But this, he's so iconic, though. This is in the Rensselaer book, all right, I, and I did not know this until I read it, but Ian McDermott was... I didn't the, know this at all. Okay. Ian McDermott was not the first actor... Um, um, he was not the first choice to play uh, the emperor. So you're right. So it was an actor named Alan Webb, uh, who was a little bit older. They actually wanted someone the age um, of the emperor. You know, like so somebody, somebody older. Well, right. They wanted Wait, you know somebody of, of that age because That's Palpatine is an older. Yes, because Palpatine is an older gentleman. They wanted the actor to be age appropriate. So Alan Webb. How? 
old is Palpatine? Alan Webb uh, was uh, chosen as the actor, but he did get sick, and you're right, and he had to drop out. And then Ian McDermott stepped in, and Ian McDermott was only in his 30s when he played the Emperor. But he had to put on all this makeup, and he had to wear those um, you know, contact lenses, and, you know, and the rest is history. Ian McDermott played one of the best villains I have ever seen on screen. All right? You know he what? is. Yes, Keith. I just, I just got a question. Sure. How old in Star Wars canon is Palpatine? I don't know. He's got to be in his 80s. Probably. Because you think about it. You look at that man from the Phantom Menace and he just screams 60. No, 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 no. Not 60. Or like no. 55. Yeah, I would say late 40s, early 50s. Like, yeah. In his Sith appearance, he looks 60. Right. Like when he got the hood on. Yeah. But like when he's Chancellor. He looks like he's in his mid fifties. Yeah, I yeah I. So, I, mm -hmm. but you figure the years passed in the Clone Wars between Phantom Menace. That was a uh, there was a ten year gap between the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Mm -hmm. Then there was the uh, two three years between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. Then the nineteen year gap. Mm -hmm. So you put him at what eighty years old? You're saying? Yes, I'm saying. Okay. Then he was probably like forty five or. 50 as chancellor yeah okay. in the phantom menace yes and then the 10 year gap would make yes. him 60 mm -hmm. and then after those three years he'd be 63 then yeah okay 82 all right no, wait that, that works for me. that works for me 80. eric says in return to jolly he's 88 years old god works for me 88 <laughs> <laughs> I, I was that well, far off. I was two years off. Okay, yeah, I, you know, I'm not gonna argue with that. All right, so now that's why he's got a cane. Imagine that. So when I first, I'm gonna talk about, you know, my experience when I first saw the Emperor, you know, in flesh and blood in Return of the Jedi, and he's coming off of yeah. the ramp of the uh, the Imperial shuttle. Here's this man with a cane and a hood, and he just looks very decrepit. Like, what can Shady. this? What can this guy do? Oh, he he doesn't a lot look. He doesn't look. Well, Keith, look, I'm seeing him for the first time now. I know, but I'm saying, in hindsight, there's a lot this man can do to you. Yes, I know that now. <laughs> so it was my first time seeing Force Lightning, which was exciting. Like, whoa! I'm like, when he came out, and I've never seen that before in Star Wars. So Force Lightning. Now it's not a big deal. All right. We later um, saw it with Count Dooku. Yes, of course, of course, yeah. Um, so. Ian McDermott, and how important his character was in Return of the Jedi, we needed him in this movie in order for the redemption story with Darth Vader to work, right? Because you needed a character who's going to be more evil, more diabolical than Darth Vader was. Ironically. Yeah, so that Vader could ultimately beat the Emperor in order to redeem himself, right? So that was Basically, the reason for the redemption Basically, they needed a way story. to turn Vader into the good guy. And exactly. that way, let's right. have somebody bigger and badder than him. That's right. Hence That's Palpatine. Right. right. And he was a formidable foe. I mean, the Emperor was just... First of all, he had the best lines in, in, in the movie. I mean, like, you can quote anything that the Emperor said, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a top-notch line, you know, line of dialogue, like, Scene where Luke says to him, "You know, your your arrogance is your weakness," and then Palpatine says, "Your faith in your friends is yours." Like, my goodness, he had an attitude problem. Zinger. Yeah. yeah. Yo, 
uh, he was he was getting a little sassy with yeah, he was Yeah, he was, wow, he was very arrogant. And then there was another, I thought I had another quote written down here. Yes. You know, when he's um, goading Luke, you know, like he's coaxing he's him. Like he, him. He's trying to get him to My turn God. evil. He's and he's, like, he's got his lightsaber. Yeah, he's got his lightsaber at his hand. He's like patting he's, the lightsaber. Right, and he's tempting Luke like, like the devil. And he says, you know, you want this, don't you? The hate is swelling in you. Take your Jedi weapon. Use it. I am unarmed. Strike me down with it. Give in to your anger. With each passing moment, you make yourself more my servant. Mm. That's evil. <laughs> Did That's Vader, evil. Did Vader yeah. intend to, you know, defeat Luke? What do you mean? Rewatch, rewatch the scene in the uh, in the throne room. Mm -hmm. Vader was swinging hard. Like, did he well, know Luke would block? Well, I think Vader was just trying to defend himself. Well, well, what Vader was doing, like he was caught in the middle, right? So he wanted to impress his boss, and he also wanted to, <laughs> he also wanted to save his son, right? So he didn't want to fight Luke, although he, you know, he, you know, mouth off like, well, you know, this is your destiny. Yeah, I'll take you down. Blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, he was just Vader was. Yeah, Vader he was, was mouthing. He was just showing off in front of his boss, the Emperor, right? So I like, don't think. Let me show you how we do things here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, "This is my throne room now, Vader." Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you it's immeasurable, Ian McDermott's. Uh, contribution to the Empire Strikes Back and to the canon, um, because now you're seeing Palpatine everywhere. All right, now he's in Palpatine he's in the everywhere. he's in the prequel he's trilogy. Not bad, that he's in that prequel. Yes, he's in the, he's in the sequel trilogy. He was in, oh, Rise of, Rise, he's in the Rise of Skywalker. You know, he's in he's in Rebels, like you said. He's in um, he's in Rogue One. Rogue. Not Rogue One. No, he was an Obi Wan. I think he had like a, a quick cameo yeah. in Obi. He's everywhere. He's in the comic books. Like you can't. Palpatine is strong. Yeah, I mean, like I, to me, I think you know the the second biggest. Well, I, you know, I, in my opinion, the biggest character in Star Wars after Darth Vader. Darth Vader's number one. I think it's the Emperor. It might be Luke, Luke number I two. Emperor, Luke. Uh, okay, Emperor might be number three. But he's everywhere, and that's thanks to Ian McDermott. The so. fourth and fifth have got to be laying hard. Probably, yeah. So I, if you think about it, three PO and R two are the MVPs of this of the entire saga. They have somehow managed to make it into every Star Wars project. That's were they? True. They weren't in Kenobi, yeah. were they? No, they were not. No, no. Or Solo. Those are the two exceptions. No, I. No, that's Rogue One. Okay, I don't yeah. remember. Those yeah, are the yeah. two exceptions mm -hmm. yeah. that yeah. they were not in it. Yeah. And remember, this entire thing would not have launched without them. Anakin created 3PO. He became a protocol translation yeah. droid who did yeah. everything that they needed him to. R2 is also somehow older than C-3PO. Mm -hmm. Don't know if anyone picked up on this. But he carried the Death Star plans. If they had not if they had not fate, if they had not managed to get to Luke by fate and bailed their mission, the entire saga would not have happened. That's that's true. They are very important in the in the storyline. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely that. agree. They were yeah. the ones who were the bargaining tokens in Return of the Jedi. Without them, right. everything else would have fallen off the chart. Yeah, yeah. 
that's what they were used very well um for the most part in the original trilogy and if I it think, weren't for the fact that r2 yeah. had the plans mm -hmm. in the force awakens good point they would not have gotten anywhere they would have never found luke that's true, right? Right. He had that last piece of the puzzle. And if it worked for three PO, mm -hmm. who had the who had the translation services mm -hmm. to read that Sith dagger in the Rise of Skywalker, yeah. even though they had to reboot him to do so, mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. would not have been there. Yeah. Think yeah. about that. They are the MVPs. They've done more and seen more than anyone or anything else because they have been alive from the beginning to present time of Star Wars. Very good point. Excellent point. Shout out to R2-D2. And then they threw BB-8 in there as the droid lineup. Yeah. And he fits pretty well. I mean, he had part of the plans, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right, and Anthony Daniels, you're right, Eric, did play a part in, um, was it Solo? I, I think, yeah, he also played a part in uh, the prequel trilogy. Wasn't he one of the characters at one of those cantinas? Um, but anyway, so... I, you know, I, I need to go back to my notes because I want to wrap it. You know, you got that. All right. So, um, so those are the top five contributions. Um, Ironically, he was also in the Lego movie. Yeah. Those are the top five contributions uh, made by Return of the Jedi that is still resonating 40 years later. Um, so this all has to do with Return of the Jedi. And that's why we consider this film the most important Star Wars all right. Um, I want to close. We want to close with a quote from George Lucas. All right. So this is the book I was referring to, this coffee table book, which is the making of Return of the Jedi. Um, in the on the back, the back uh, page, um, there's a quote from George Lucas, which I want to read, which is very, um, very inspirational. So he says, "The whole point of the film, the whole Return of the Jedi, the whole point of the film." The whole emotion that I'm trying to get at the end of this film is for you to be real, real uplifted emotionally and spiritually and feel absolutely good about life. That is the greatest thing we could possibly ever do. George Lucas. And that's exactly what he did. You know, that was, you know, it. At the, you know, like we said, at the end of the movie, I mean, people cheered, you know, no matter how many times you've seen Return of the Jedi, you know, once you've seen it from beginning to end, God, you, TJ's the goat. you leave uplifted, you leave happy. It's a happy ending, like a fairy tale, you know, um, you know, especially after going through The Empire Strikes Back, which was very dark, you know, the dark chapter in the, in the, in the trilogy. It was like it the was very important. War of Star Wars. Yes, it was. Or rather. Infinity War was the Empire Strikes Back of Marvel. Yeah, so it was very important that you know George. It was very important for George Lucas that the trilogy ended in an uplifting, happy way, right? With a happy ending. All right. So as far as recognition, so forty years ago, Return of the Jedi was released in a thousand and two theaters. At the time, it broke the opening day gross record of six point one million dollars, which may not sound like a um, Big deal now, but now, it was back then. $6.1 million were in my pocket. Yeah. It made $23 million opening weekend and earned $45 million the first week. It became the highest grossing film in 1983, earning $252 million in the U.S., $374 million worldwide. All right. That was in 1983. The film was nominated for four Academy Awards, Best Art Direction, Set Decoration, Best Sound, Best sound effects and best original score. 
um, at the Academy Awards. It won a Special Achievement Award for visual effects. In 2021, just last year, the film was selected. Two for, years ago now. Well, you're right. Yes. Yeah. 2021, the film was selected for preservation uh, in the United States National Film Registry, which is a big deal for films, right? Um, and these are films that are considered culturally significant. Um, so it was registered in the Library of Congress, joining Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back. The entire original trilogy. I find it amazing that yeah. the prequels and sequels weren't voluble enough to be put in the well, Library of Congress. We don't know yet. We don't. Know I yet. still enjoy the prequels. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As for the sequels. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Put the Force Awakens up there too. Oh, let's see, Alex. Um, excellent Alex question. Said. Reminds me. What was the question? Re reminds me of how invaluable hope is and how tyrants are not invisible. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Right. So. Well, is uh, that all? Okay, so great quote, and it reminds me of how inspiring Star Wars is. Yes, absolutely. If you, you if you remember anything about Star Wars, it needs to still remain inspirational. All right, mm -hmm. that's what Star Wars is about. So, thank you, everyone. This was this was very special. This this movie meant a lot to me. I have one last thing to say, Dad. Yes, you good. Go ahead. If you're just joining us, the show is over. You can find us. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, blah, 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 wherever you get your podcasts. Our socials are Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fathers and Galaxy. Website at FathersandGalaxy.com. Merch store, FathersandGalaxy.myspreadshop.com. Patreon page, Patreon.com slash FathersandGalaxy. All right. So thank you once again, everyone. So this was a special. Thank you for joining the special episode, Sunday episode of uh, Father Sunday, 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 Sunday. All right. So we will return on May the 4th. All right, May the 4th, that's when Visions drops. Um, Young Jedi Adventures also drop, but we're going to cover Visions this Thursday, May the 4th. We're going to talk about all nine episodes. All right, so um, we hope you They're see all them. good. Yeah, we hope you you would see them then, what we understand, because it is the first day, and there is nine episodes to get through. But whenever you are ready to talk about it, just, you know, Pop on over. Yeah, right. Pop on over or, you know, just These listen to us at your convenience on YouTube or on the audio platforms. But we're going to be ready, made a fork to talk about Star Wars Visions, Volume 2. All right. All right. So thank you, everyone, once again, for joining us. This was a special episode. It meant a lot to me. Um, it reminds me of my childhood. It's, it's, it was really cool. Uh, so thanks. Until next time, take care. And, and we'll we will see, see you again. again.